morning. Uh, welcome back. Before we go back to Malachim Bays, we were discussing yesterday at length during the Drusha. If you weren't here, it's perfect for the Navi Shir, but it was from about 10 years ago. So I just wanted to go over two points with this discussing Malachar Chaydush, now Tariff from yesterday, and the Gemara and Sanhedrin, which happens to be the same sugya that discusses Chizkiyo, which we will get back to. And the Gemara points out that despite the very noble intentions of Yanison and the fact that he succeeded in warning David to run away, and the fact that he had tremendous ava, the classic Chavrashaf friendship of two people, and a person who had such anivas to give up his malchus was Yanison to David, even though he should have been his biggest rival, and that's what Shaul could understand. He says, it's, you're the crown prince, it's your malchus, why are you aiding and abetting? And he said, no, David is better, and I recognize that, and if he's supposed to be king, so be it. So if you recall from the Haftarah, they set up an elaborate system where, top secret, David's going to hide in the field, and he's going to let him know if Shaul's really out to get him, he's going to test him, he's going to disappear for two days in the Sudhish The first day Shaul noticed, he said, no. Maybe it's a Mikri built the tire, I'll be here tomorrow, and he wasn't there tomorrow. And Shaul said, he's plotting against me, and you, Yonason, are helping him. And we discussed at the Kibbutz of Amshir, if you recall, at length, uh, the interaction between Yonason and David, Yonason and Shaul, what Yonason was allowed to say, what he was allowed to do, uh, how much he was allowed to object in terms of Kibbutz of Aim. And Lamaisa became quite clear to him that Shaul was not backing down in his assumption that David was out to get him, which unfortunately was not true. Fortunately, it was not true, but unfortunately, Shaul didn't know that. And Yenison comes out to the field and gives him a very sad farewell, and David Malach runs famished, has to stop in Neuvia Kainim, is about to pass out because he hadn't eaten in three days, and he ends up eating Lechem upon him because of Sakhanis Nefashis. And the Gemara mentions that uh, the Shegeg of Yenison, that he forgot to bring food, caused... David to run to Navi Akainim. He had no food, no sword, both of which he received from Akainim. Navi Akainim was then arrested and accused by Shalom of being in cahoots with the Meribah Malchus, and they were all executed. And because of that Avera of wiping out Navi Akainim, Shaul will die. His three sons will die, with his three sons was Yenison. And Daigadami will die because of his Avera. He was the Baal Lashon Hara. And uh, two interesting comments, I think, Pasha Pshad, after the Drosha, Sadiq mentioned that Lachera, the Pela, Gabi Pela, not only was Yanis in the Shege, just in the pressure of the situation, he just forgot to bring food. The Gemara says, had he, bring, had he brought two Kikaras Lachem, the whole debacle, the whole disaster could have been avoided, and David wouldn't have had to come on to Noiv Yerkainim, they wouldn't have been helping him, and they wouldn't have been executed. So Tzaddik said it would have been a little difficult for him to show up with two bags from Evergreen with supplies if the whole thing was that they were going to be in the field and he was hiding and they had to give a signal with the arrows and send the kid and tell him to go back and all sorts of signals. And L'chaira, Tzaddik, he said it as a comment, L'chaira, it's a kasha, like, uh, what were you expecting him to do? Okay, so two key cars. You know, Israeli style, they used to have before bags. They used to have, you know, lechem shachar. You say, you know, put it over here and walk home. So, a kikar lechem, okay, it's not uh, a prince walking around like that, it's a little funny. So, otherwise, you have a shopping bag. 
there's a bigger kasha. And I was thinking about what she said since yesterday. That's why Tamir pointed out, by the way, that the Gemara, and this also, he said it in a comment, it's a bit of a kasha. The Gemara talks about the collateral damage. He says, because of this one shoigi, if you got to give food, we have a train of events that Noiver Kainim will be wiped out, and forever this will be a stain on the record. And Shaul goes to Hababa, he's going to be killed for it. And to the end of his reign, he's dogged by this mistake. And Avner is killed. The Gemara doesn't mention Avner, but it mentions it earlier, so it doesn't bother me as much. That's a Gemara Sahaja in the second parak. But later on, if you remember, a piece of the collateral damage, which we would call Gromish of a Gromish of a Groma, and we discussed this in the Navishir, it's a pellet to us, they were even called to task, but there was a famine in Klai Yisrael during David Mel's time. Couldn't figure out what it was. Thought it was Avarazara, and they checked out this Avera, that Avera. Finally, they gave up, and when you give up, what do you do? So you have the option of asking the Urvatumim, which is Sugib of Neatzma, but it wasn't a Halachish, I just like. We're trying to do tshuva. What do we do? And believe it or not, it was Al-Shol didn't get a hespid according to his chashivas, which shows the tzitkus of Shol. He was killed in battle. They snatched his body back, which is a great sign of Gvorel's covenant, but there was no official hespedim, not enough. And remember the second part? It was the dichotomy, because there, in Shemayim, the Taveh, the covenant of Shol, and the second part was when Neuver Kainim was wiped out, the Gvenim lost their job. And they were unemployed since then, and it was a bit of a chil Hashem, and that was the second taina, which David Amalek was charged fixing up both. He, I assume, gathered many people to say a spade shol, and he offered money, because that's, they were missing to the Gavainim, and they were so cruel, so we don't want money, we want revenge, and if you recall, David Amalek was told, as Xavier Sekosov, told by Kosh Baruch, you have to cooperate, and certain descendants were handed over, even though Lo Yimsu was up on him, and he explained at that time why that was so. And Although the covet of Shaw was Nitzvah, the Avera was mentioned at the same time. But the Avera was an Avera. What was the Avera? They were unemployed. They'll get a job. So uh, take the money being offered by the government for a government program. Whatever the Avera was, it was considered also part of the collateral damage that David, the whole country had a famine, and David uh, sort of got punished as being the person in charge of not knowing what to do and having to make amends, a very painful amends, and that was also part of the same story. And yet the Gemara doesn't mention that. And that's Grama Sheva Grama. To address Sadiq's question, let me just ask another question, and that is, and we discussed this once at Shal Shittis a few years back, probably by Macha Chedish, on a Shabbos Chedish. The signal was an elaborate system of codes and arrows, and if I say the arrows are forward, you go this way, and not, you go the other way, and you got to run, you don't have to run. All that was put into place so that they don't have to talk to each other because that's just going to tell Shoals, the secret servicemen, that they're really a coots. So they have to set up the system and then get the message across. No, so worked great. He had the arrows, the message, and the code, and everything. And then what happens? David pops up from behind the bushes. And he runs over to Yanison, and they have a very tearful goodbye. And they stand there in the field. Gives him a hug and he talks and he cries and then they leave. So then, Mahawilu Cham Batakanasam. The whole purpose of the code is that they shouldn't be seen together. So, Tzaddik, you're saying he can't bring two shopping bags. And I agree. And he certainly shouldn't be seen talking to him, which is the next blessing. So, if you recall, we brought there, the guy says that the whole reason the code was set up is that in case Shaul was really out to get David, 
That's real Lashon Hara and Shaul, and the Yenison was from, and he was the son. If you ever have to speak Lashon Hara, try not to say it out, or say it in short, or say it in code, and just hakala kal chila, like eating on Yom Kippur. Lashon Hara is that bad. A lot of people don't know that. They say, finally, I have a head to the talk Lashon Hara, so let me say it. So you say, okay, say it, but be as brief as possible, and beat around the bush, and say as little as you can, so that the person gets the message and they're forewarned, but don't say too much. And this is a way of doing it. You have codes. If I say the answer that way, it means you got to run. It means your fears are realized, and that's it. So after he got that message across, they could see each other because Yenison was uh, an officer in the army. He was a commander-in-chief. He knew the ways of war and espionage, and he had a way of figuring out whether they were trailing him and monitoring his activity. And he had a way of doing it that no one was watching. So he had no problem, and David Amalek knew that. He had no problem seeing David, talking to David, giving him a hug goodbye, and uh, crying. He just had a problem of saying, Abba Lashon Hara. The subject that would answer your question, possibly, is that if he could already see him, he could bring some shopping bags. But he, at that point, the, the Nara wasn't with him anymore, so he could see David clearly. But when they came, the whole thing was... The there, was one, there was one Nara there. I suspect he brought his most trustworthy aid. But he sent him back. He sent him back because the following conversation and emotional interaction was really none of his business. I, I don't know if he sent him back because he was afraid. Because he sent him back, it doesn't say, it doesn't, not say, but it doesn't say he waited 25 minutes until he was out of earshot and uh, over the horizon. He, the whole point, he shot one arrow and sent him. He shot the other one. So that he, yeah, he told him to go back. Was. It says the fairy she told him to go back. And he didn't want to realize what was going on. Right. But... So, it would look very suspicious if he carried a few provisions. I don't know. What was his excuse to go out with an iron in the first place? He said it's a day. Princes went for a day for archery. They went on a day in the fields. That means they went way out of the city. And they went for a day of uh, archery and, and the great outdoors and practicing. No, so you can't bring lunch. A picnic you can't bring. If you uh, comes to the lad and says, okay, where do I put the supplies, sir? Right, right down there. Okay, now watch this. I, I assume he dressed the whole thing up. That's what the Pusik describes. So can't bring food? Is that too American? I make it into a, into a picnic? Maybe I don't know. It sounds like it didn't give him anything. Okay. Steaky karas lechem, Mariah says. That's two loaves of bread. It sounds like it didn't give him anything. It sounds like in the rush of things, they were very distraught, and understandably so, under tremendous pressure. And David Amel had to run ASAP, and he ran without anything. No sword? Why didn't give him a sword? Interesting enough, the Gemara doesn't say that also. He had to come on. By the way, I'm assuming what got Shaul nervous in his accusation there of Meribamachis is, hey, you gave my enemy supplies, food. He said, your highness, he's your son-in-law, and he was starving. And you gave him a sword. The sword is more incriminating. Didn't give him a sword either. They had a lot of nice swords in the So, again, the push shot would be, it looks funny if he hands over a sword and if David walks around with a sword. Why does that look funny? He's an officer in the army. The answer is, due to the pressure of the situation, he didn't bring anything because he was so fatumult about what happened yesterday with the conversation with his father and they took a spear and almost hit him or killed him, depending which shot you say. They had to run out and give the code. So then uh, he was under pressure and he forgot, which was, in hindsight, a big mistake and caused a lot of collateral damage. Question is, could he have brought those kikaras? So I'm just trying to give some shot in the Gemara. It's similar, your kasha is similar to the kasha. Why did David appear and why did David say hello? And they seem to have somewhat of a lengthy conversation. So apparently you're saying it was after the young man went. But uh, if I were the young man, I would, I would try to turn around as I'm walking away and see what's going on. 
It's like he didn't suspect. Okay. So you have to put all these angles together to see what the shot was. Yeah. He was about to die. So food he certainly can't manage without. A sword, he's going... You sound like an American living in Muncie, which you are. I always accuse you of things that you are anyway. But you're saying, what did he need a sword for? He was going to Eris Plishtim, the most dangerous place in the Middle East. Uh, that was once, and only to give him a simon for later. That was an ace nigla. You'll say, you'll, next you'll tell me you had a slingshot. <laughs> that happened also. That was also an ace. I mean, there, are, there are other ways to procure a, uh, some kind of weapon. Yeah, I, I'd have to imagine, there's another thing going on over here. That sword was in the Mishkan as one of the national artifacts. I'd have to imagine that Dovid Melech understood that asking for the sword would raise eyebrows. It raised such eyebrows, he had to explain. Like, what are you doing here alone? His first question, what are you doing here? They thought, he's a king's son-in-law, he's a commander-in-chief. Secret operations. My men are hiding behind the trees. Shh, be very quiet. Okay, so why do you need a sword? You're in a secret operation, tanks, swords, like... No, 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 we left in a big hurry. Very undercover. Okay. I've known people... uh, uh, the fellow we spoke about Shabbos morning, which I doctor deliberately didn't speak on tape or video or anything like that. Sorry, I'll have to get to uh, uh, his previous questions. That fellow in the White House were all about his covert operations where Hitaka didn't have a large gun. He had a small gun, but he couldn't bring weapons because he was undercover and it's hard to walk around like that with a, with a submachine gun. But... Still, asking for a sword, I, I can imagine the Dovid understood the ramifications that he's taking the sword that Clyde Israel is going to notice is missing. It's not like they had ten of them. This is Naivah Kainim. He's a peace-loving Kainim. They don't have any swords. This is the only one they had. So that's a dangerous thing to do. It sounds like he had no choice that he felt he had to do it. So there's a lot more to be said for that parish. It's just interesting. A uh, second time this year, we're going through it. There's a lot, a lot more there. Let's go back to the... I would say drama, it's more like trauma, of Davon Amelech's descendants, Chizkiyahu Amelech, and I'd like to go back to one thing we didn't comment on, go back to Malach and Bez. <clears throat> I want to show you one passage we passed already, show you an interesting diak, Parigil Ches, Pasuk Tes, Malachim Beis, Perik Yilches, Pasuk Tes, well, much further than that. I'm going to show you a, I thought it was an interesting diak from the Rina Yitzchak, who we'll be quoting from. Sorovskin, who Rashiva in near Lakewood, and he has um, phenomenal Taira on Navi and on Perik Chelek, and he has a lot to say on what's going to happen with Chizkiyo and then Yoshio. And a lot of what's going on in Malachim Beis. But he asked Akasha, why is it that the beginning of Perik Yilches, it goes back to do a Chazara almost on the Golas of the Asaris Ashvatim. We learned about that already at length. And you look at Pasuk Tes, Vehi B'Shan Raviz Lamelech Chizkiyo. We're talking about Chizkiyo already, and we're going to be discussing Chizkiyo for a long time. 
and the parak is well into Chizkiyo, and all of a sudden, Pasuk tests, it reviews again, now, we're used to this already. It keeps going back and forth between Melech Yisrael and Melech Yehuda to show the contrast, and it compares the dates from one to the other. That's not the kasha. The kasha is, we know all this information already, and we had a full-length discussion of the invasion of the Aserah Seshvatim, and the rebellion that they tried, that Hoshea ben tried, for his nationalistic Jewish pride, but misplaced because that absolutely knows chusim, they were still doing a barazar, and they didn't do tshuva, and therefore it failed. Dismal failure, and the Yisrael Shvatim went to the We know all that already. Why is it mentioning it here in the context of the rebellion of Chizkiyo, which will succeed? Go back to Pazik Zion. And that sets in the train of events that we're in the middle of, where Sadhkhayev comes now to surround and attempt to destroy Yushalayim. So why is it mentioned? So he says that there's an important backdrop which can be missed, the trees in the forest, and that is that despite the short-term victory of Chizkiyot, which we have yet to discuss, almost like it's depressing, what's the point after all this? Uh, Sancher is going to fall and Yishlaim will be saved. And there are many good things to come, but ultimately there'll be a Chorban. So we may mention of a possible Mahala, but we're going to go back to that. But there will be a Chorban. And lest you think that the Chorban is only to be blamed on the Anche Yehuda, which is really what's going to take up our entire focus to the end of Malachim, because the Aseret are gone. Maybe to come back, maybe not, maybe part thereof, but they're not going to be in Malacham anymore because they're conquered. So lest you think that the rest of what's going to happen is going to be in terms of responsibility on the shoulders of Yehuda, the Pasuk goes out of its way to say that remember that Chorben HaBayis is the result of Avodah primarily, Merit Bashem, but primarily Avodah and um, and uh, Rais as well as the three Averis of Chorban region. And the majority of what was done in terms of damage is done, was done by the Aserah Sashvatim. Uh, we don't associate this because Aserah Sashvatim, based on Mitish, like, what's the Shaykhis? The answer is they refused to go back all these years. There was a few attempts at a possible reconciliation. It never happened because the Aserah Sashvatim weren't interested because they weren't that from. And what's ultimately going to happen is a Chorban Abayis, we're going to think only in terms of Yehuda because that's the rest of Malachim Beis. The Pasuk is reminding us, no, Chizkiyot is making a strong attempt at Tshuva and is going to succeed for his generation. Yoshio will make a wonderful attempt and he will succeed for his generation. Tzitkiyot will be a Tzadik. There will be many bright spots. The Chorban will happen because of the Averis of Yehuda and the Averis of the Aserah Sashvatim. So you shouldn't think, well, they did the Averis, they went to Gullus. And now we're just dealing with Yehuda, and they have a Chorban Abayas, and it's their fault. It's not true. Chorban Abayas happened because of the Averis of Klai Yisrael, and they said Sashvatim are 10 out of 12, which I thought was a very fascinating point, and we would lose that if not for this reminder, because the rest is only a focus on Yehuda. So it's important to keep in mind. Let's go back to Perakil Ches, Pasik Chaf Zion. Again, our bearings, we're in the middle of a very, very sad conversation between Rav Shake, the renegade, the Meshumid, 
and the Shlichim of Chizkiyahu HaMelech. If you recall from before Pesach, they were trying to plead with him not to scream and yell on the top of his lungs in Lashon HaKadosh or Yiddish or whatever language they were speaking. and said, speak Aramis or something else. We understand it as officers of the king. The people on the wall and the rest of the people won't understand it. And that's better because we don't want to cause them Chalish Zadas and dishearten them, which is exactly what Rav Shake was trying to do. And of course, when he heard that, we explained they were trying to appeal to the Pintal Yid because he grew up with them and they hoped he would tone it down and just be Yetzi's job as the Shlich Hasan Chayrev and just be Yetzi and say it. You don't have to scream and dishearten everybody and cause us to lose. And he didn't give up and he basically said in so many words, that's why I'm here and I'm going to scream louder in the language they all understand. I don't care if you all starve to death, if you all surrender, that's what's going to happen. And that was the last pasuk we'll go over again. What do you I'm only here to talk to you. We had a Korean exiv because it was so horrid. He says, we're going to stay here till everybody starves to death and you're going to have to resort to very unhealthy practices to even try to survive and it's not going to work. And now he's going to say a second drasha louder and in Lashon HaKadosh so they all understand his message. And notice how the propaganda never ceases. The great, awesome leader who's going to get killed with his entire army during Pesach. Don't put your faith in your king and all his promises. Don't be fooled. He's giving you over, trying to give over the news that he heard the Navi said, which is all true. The Navi said, so far, short version, there will be a longer version, that they will be saved, the city will not fall, and Sancheir will disappear. Don't believe such lies, Rav Shakeh tries to convince them. He's all doing this and saying this and uh, trying to prop you up for his own covet. I promise you again, you'll have safe passage. Doesn't promise safe passage necessarily for Chizkiyahu and his men, but for the people, I'll move you as I do everybody else to a different country and you will live there in peace and tranquility and you will have your vineyard, you'll have your tana tree, and you'll have your water, you'll have your homestead, you'll have everything you need. As we mentioned, he didn't dare promise them something better, because even he knew that there was nothing better. So he tried to promise them something on par, which was not true either, but he promised them something nice. There's one day in the Gemara that says, Sancheirv, got some credit, not going to help him in this battle, got some credit for complimenting Eretz Yisrael and keeping the covet of Eretz Yisrael highlighted. And it didn't go unnoticed that he didn't promise something better. Not better, as good. Eretz Dagon Vesirish Eretz Lechem Ekramim Eretz Zeis Yitzhar Dvash Chiyuv Samusu you see clearly what Chizkiyo was trying to be them with. He kept saying this message that you have to have Bitochan, Ramuna, 
and Akash Baruch will save us. And Rav Shaki is saying over in the name of Sancheirev that that's not to be believed, and if you're smart, you will give up now. Take a look at Rashi and Laman Aleph, Asuri Tibrochov, Sheila Shalom, Kamai Vivarach Yaakov is Param. He says, Join the conversation, do me a favor, so to speak. Lamed Beis, Laris Karzachem, Kain Darki, Lahavres, Umas, Medina, Medina. I move everybody around one country to the other so they shouldn't stay in their home country and rebel. Less likely to rebel if they're in a foreign country, they're not fighting for the homeland anyway. Why didn't he promise a better land? He's trying to entice them. That's like that mandama. The other mandama says he's a melech sheta. This mandama says he knew that he couldn't get away with it because they wouldn't believe him and he's trying to entice them. So he only promised an eretz ka'artzachem. The uh, medrash, the Gemara, according to this mandamar, says he got schar for his, um, his deeper. The schar the Rosham get, and so Kasha I've always had. The schar is always by the mazeh, usually more covered. He's got some fancy titles from this, and he's uh, spoken about with covered in the Navi. Agmelech Haboshan got covered the Yavah Pollard for saving Abmavinu. What was the covered? He became a great king. Very powerful for hundreds of years. Tremendous dominion. No. And what was his end? It's the bigger they are, the harder they fall. The end was Moshe Abed who killed him. And there was a bigger bizonian that he was killed with not even a battle, basically. Moshe Abed just came and knocked him in the shins and fell over, and that was the end of him. According to one medrash, uh, the mountain that he was about to drop on Klai Yisrael, uh, the ants ate it through and it went around his neck. Very, very tremendous bizianus. So you would think the bizianus somebody gets when they have power is worse than if they're nobody. If they're nobody, nobody knows what bizianus you have because no one's looking. So I would have thought that that's not schar, that's worse. You build somebody up to destroy them more. But apparently, for the Akam over here that wants some covered, that's considered Sanaschar Belamazeb, but it's really only to destroy them more Belamabah. If everything is Halachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachach
We know that burning in Gehenna more was not worth it, and he found that out also. But it's, it's really a question on the whole Chazal. Chazal says many what, times. That's what the individual values, and that's what Shemayim will give, will give to him, whether it's good for them or not. If that's what they choose as the currency that they value, then that is the... And that's the pshat. That's the pshat. It's, just, it's hard for us to understand, and I think it should remain hard for us to understand, because we shouldn't, we shouldn't press ourselves to start thinking like that. Chazal just telling us that's the Messiah, but we, it's good we don't know how to think like that, because what kind of ridiculous view, you're, you're looking at the Elam look at Nitzchias. But you're right, at the end of the day, if that's what they value, that's what they're going to get, and that's considered schar on some levels. Like Amara says, according to this mandamah, to Rabbi Yechon, Sanhedrin, Sadi that he was called all these fancy titles, he got such covered because of his, uh, well, his his great uh, drive for getting covered, but the fact that he's makir, the chashivas of Eretz Yisrael, and he didn't dare say he's bringing them to a land that's better, for two reasons. A, he knew it wasn't true, and that's his giving cover to Eretz Yisrael, and B, he knew it wouldn't work, and he wanted to entice them with something that they would uh, understand might be true. So that's the beginning of the drush. We're not finished with it yet. Uh, he's going to quote Sancheyev in all his gaiva and chutzpah in Pasuk Lama Gimel. Mitz Hashem will take that up next week. Star. It's not hot, like